Boy, what a week have we had this week on everything to do with automotive news, both here locally and around the world. Got a bit of fun in Formula One going on as well as Nico Hockenberg races back uh, into a racing point seat. But to discuss with all of the exciting news going on, I've got Joel Strickland back again. Welcome back, Joel. Thanks, Ash. Good to be back. Uh, how's things going down in Victoria? Any uh, any improvements? How's the weather? Change, really. We are apparently going to get some changes uh, coming in a week's time. We're recording this on a Sunday. Um, and we've been told next Sunday that some things will change, but not a lot. Um, more, I think, uh, being able to see possibly family and and but in a probably in more and likely in an outside um, setup. Um, but yeah, look, you know, not, not a lot's changed. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we're just ticking the boxes. I mean, the numbers aren't really going up there. They're staying reasonably stable. We have ups and downs, but they're not, you know, really peaking like they were. So, which is a good thing at least, but, um, you know, at least there's lots happening. You know, we've got, um, you know, for the footy fans, the footy's, you know, still happening and for, Basketball fans like myself are into the final days of NBA, but Bathurst is next week. Um, and like you said, we've got Grand Prix as well. So there's a bit of stuff to keep us occupied. And uh, you've still been doing stuff with Shannon at the moment. You've been seeing, uh, been able to get your automotive fixed that way. Yeah, we're um, socially distancing in a in a big way uh, with those guys. Just uh, starting to film some stuff for the next auction in in November. Um, so yeah, that uh, that's kicking off soon. So yeah, the guys in. Um, I've had some guys in Sydney filming for me, um, obviously, because they're uh, up and running. Um, and, yeah, I've been editing videos fairly constantly. So, yeah, it's um, that's coming up. So this uh, looks like to be some interesting stuff from what I've seen on, on uh, for their next auction. Um, but, yeah, it's um, – yeah, otherwise not much is happening, unfortunately. Yeah, well, it's um, – well, I'll be sure – to, to remind everybody listening uh, to follow Joel at Joel Strick Photo. Um, I'm sure if there's anything uh, in particular that pops up, <laughs> you'll be sharing it there um, as well as on the Shannon's website. So keep an eye out for that. Um, this week, I've been driving the Toyota CHR. Uh, the, the model that I've been driving is the two-wheel drive hybrid Cobra model. So it sits right at the uh, right at the top of the tree of specs and um, sits just below. There is an all-wheel drive version uh, as well, um, but I'd have to say you'd you'd never guess that this is really built off a, a Corolla kind of vehicle. You know, there is some styling that you look at it from the front. And you go, ah, oh, actually, yeah, I can see that. See a little bit of that influence there from just a styling point of view, but um, not a lot. No, it is. It's kind of like an abstract thing. You know, you stand with the hands on your hips, um, look at it from a particular angle, and you'll start to see it. it's just in those nose pieces where the uh the the badge is just those little bits there that you've still got the tearing that goes on but anyway that it doesn't really matter um for most people but it's a fairly good looking um car i think they sort of hit the stride a little bit better for straight out of the gate compared to sort of say nissan and their duke they're very similar in terms of styling i think overall in the second generation um but um, the Duke took a generation to, to look at, I think, a little bit more palatable to more people um, and not as perhaps as niche as it was. Uh, but uh, been very impressed so far. You do get all the goodies in this model, so you do have all of the, the safety features across the board, so everything from your 
active cruise control, your lane keep, all of that stuff is fairly standard. You get a 360 camera as well. Being the hybrid, of course, you do get excellent fuel economy when you aren't pinning your foot flat to the floor. So the claimed fuel economy if I remember correctly, is around that 4.3 liters per 100. At the moment, my average after about 500 or so kilometers is at 4.5. So that is a really, I think, a fairly solid figure. Um, And you can certainly, it all comes down to if you live in a place where there's a lot of hills, um, that figure will probably be a little bit higher than if you have a nice flat area that you live in. Because as you get to, you know, as sort of with all hybrids but i find particularly with toyota hybrids you learn just the right amount of throttle control where you know that you can keep it into ev mode as long as you possibly can before it has to kick over and um use that use that engine to sort of help with the acceleration or glide you know sort of cruising along or moving down the road and so there's certainly as you own it longer and as you drive it over that time, you will get a little bit better if you are wanting to save that fuel, of course. Um, if you don't care about it, well, you can just sort of, you won't really care. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can certainly play around with it and, and have also a little bit of fun with sort of seeing, you know, how much of your um, drive can be done in ev mode it also does have like give you like a handy little update on your screen which you can have and it'll show you so far of your journey how much of it have you done in purely electric mode and then once you reach the destination and turn the car off it will say that you know you drove this far and you know you, you did 61 percent of your journey um in pure electric and um so that's it's kind of like a nice thing to to know um again you've really got to care about it to get the most out of it but um it is cool that they are introducing and and showing that information to you in a way but it is every time i drive a toyota hybrid they do bury some of that um toyota hybrid badging and information display a little bit deeper every single time to make it more of a normal driving experience it's not as you know it's not as in your face when you hop in um like say if you jumped into a pre-SC, um, you'd have a permanent display of what, you know, what what sort of engine, you know, if you're using the engine or using the battery or, or a combination of the two, where now um, there's only a single screen on the dash that you have to select, you know, that in, in, in part of your, your dashboard that you have to find and, and to get that information. And it's now it's not as clear as it used to be. And um, and I think it's just part of that journey of as you expand your your customer base, like we know that the RAV4, the number one selling version of it is the hybrid with 80% of sales of the RAV4 being the hybrid models. Um, I think it's just one of those things where most general people want to be able to save a little bit of fuel um, or save the money from from having to pay for fuel, but they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to have that reminder everywhere, kind of like an, an M car with badges everywhere saying that you're driving a hybrid. I think they just want to jump in, drive, and get that benefit as a, you know, as an auxiliary thing, not the primary mo- not the primary focus. Um, but overall, like I think it, it, I've really enjoyed driving it. It is quite pleasant. The sound system's good. Um, the power is it, it's nothing super amazing i think uh when when 
Mick was talking about it when he had it. Um, it goes, it is screaming to have more power put into it. It'd be great to see a performance model. I think a, a GR model would definitely work for for this. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I now understand why there are quite a few on the road. Um, the one thing which I didn't fully love is the boot doesn't have a powered tailgate. It is quite heavy and hard to pull down. It doesn't have power target. Uh, and you do have to use a lot of force to, to close it. So if you are a little bit shorter or if you've got your hands full with stuff, you're going to have a hard time closing that boot. And um, obviously, as the car gets older, as those gas struts sort of start to wear out, it's definitely going to, to change. But um, for you know the first few years, you're definitely going to need a little bit of heft to close that boot because it's just, um, yeah, there's no easy way to to get it down and closed but overall like it yeah it looks good we've got a like perhaps not the best color name for for the times right now but it is a wonderful red that is called feverish red um <laughs> so i'd probably just just call it red or ruby red uh, feverish red probably isn't the the best the best one at the moment um, but yeah, so I've got that for another week. So I'll be able to report a little bit more. Um, as we've sort of discussed in the past, having a car for one week gets, you know, you get to know it a little bit, but having it even for two weeks just allows you to settle into it and use it um, that little bit more to learn those little quirks in here, you know, in there and out there and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having it for a second week. Um, yeah, you see what kind of economy you get the second week as well. Absolutely. Um, and to see if, you know, as that that honeymoon period wears off as well, the novelty of, you know, oh, how low can I get the figure um, to see if that influences that much or um, if you're able to, you know, if I'm able to keep it within, you know, that, that four and a half or at least definitely under five. Because um, I think that's where you start to go, yeah, that feels like you're being fuel efficient. But... Yeah, so that's that, and um, and then yeah, we'll be able to, to follow that up next week. Um, but but Joel, you said uh, we had another listener question come in. Yes, yeah, so just a late one uh, came in just before we uh, started recording tonight. Um, another one, uh, another friend jumped out to ask his opinion on um, uh, again another SUV. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it seems to be a common popular thing. But this these people are replacing um, a an SUV with an SUV. So they just want their end, their lease is up. So it's end of lease time. Mm-hmm. So they're currently running a Toyota Kluger uh, seven seater. Um, and they want to either replace uh, it with the same thing, either in GXL or Grande spec. Um, they only want to spend about 65 grand. Um okay. To family, so it's two adults and four kids. Um, not always will it be, you know, ideally everyone in one car. Occasionally, they split it over so the two cars. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've uh, asked what we would suggest uh, as options to either. Do you go the new, you know, go a Kluger again? And, and as as you and I were discussing prior to to coming on air, that uh, yeah, I think we'd probably the new one is due early next year. So I think if you're going to go stick with what you know, then I'd probably wait for the new one. Um, unless you get a, a ripper deal on a run out of the, the current gen, uh, which, you know, which might be possible depending on how soon before they, they want to replace. But 
but um, we came up with a couple of other options as well, Ash. Yeah, so, and, and that's the key thing. It really comes down to what the timing is because we are on, particularly for that Kluger, just on the cusp of having a, a, a new model coming. It is already out in the US, so um, that is a great place to, to jump on and have a look at, even at what reviewers are saying over there, just knowing that a few things might change, but we have a, a model, obviously, apart from the steering wheel being on the other side, fairly representative model of what the US has but there's there's one there's a few things that I think you know we, we spoke about and, and and had come to mind so we had the the Mazda CX-9 come in um, it fills in and, and these these ones which I mentioning all sort of fit within that same budget um, or there's certainly a, a, a range of models that sort of fit this budget out of each of these so the CX-9 similar size um slightly more expensive servicing costs from that one. The Ford Everest, again, just as big, uh, but that one, depending on what model, again, you choose, you also have a wider range of engine types as well. So even in the Titanium, you have a four-cylinder twin-turbo diesel option. I think you also said there's a three-and-a-half-litre petrol yeah, there's the smaller, well, there's the bigger three-liter engine in the trend. Oh, that's right. yeah. uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure, depending on how you spec it, I'm pretty sure you can order it in. The last time I looked, you can order it either in the the two-liter twin turbo or the three point two. Personally, I'd probably go the three point, the three-liter um, yeah. over the twin turbo, just because it's not as higher um, strained engine, a high tuned engine. Um, the it's a little bit nicer, but you know, there's a diesel option there. Um, so for that, and then, you know, you could also look, depending on your pricing as well, you could also maybe look at, you know, bottom end of Toyota Prado um, yeah. for something a little bit different. And then I think the Patrol we sort of threw around, but I think that's kind of out of that price point really. Yeah, so that that was more of a I – th- I thought of that as being more of a if, – if size and real estate is really important – to if you've you know four kids growing up they're going to demand a lot of space or at least want some level of separation you know degrees of separation between each other and um and i think that's what the nissan patrol has in spades it is that next size up it is more of your land cruiser kind of rung but they do get you know they scrape in around. I think you can you could find a deal for a TI model around that eighty thousand dollars now, which I think is pretty good money for something like that. It is definitely the thirstiest out of all the models that we did mention, but it is going to have the largest amount of room for everybody. Absolutely. So everybody, the second and the third row, everyone's going to have a ton of space, plenty of cooling. You know, there's not going to be anybody complaining that they're hot or anything like that because everyone's got their own air vents and there's air moving through the whole cabin. Um, It is a nicely spec. It is a little bit behind in terms of some of the technology it has. You don't have CarPlay. You don't have... um, It is a bit of a dated screen and that kind of thing. So really... That is a consideration, but if size is purely your consideration, that is something that I would just sort of throw on the list and you could probably negotiate pretty well on a vehicle like that. The Toyota Prado was a little bit of, if you want something that is a little bit more uh, for driving orientated compared to your Kluger. Your Kluger certainly has some off-roading ability. I remember doing um, a video with Motorama quite a long time ago looking at... um, 
the all-wheel drive capability of the Kluger versus the four-wheel drive capability of the Prado. And we took it out to the back of Cirame. They've got some four-wheel drive tracks there. And, you know, the, the Kluger performed just as well or even you know even better in some regards because of how the all-wheel drive system works than the Prado but if you're wanting to go that little bit more extreme um, the Prado definitely has that in spades but it is more for like I said more trucky than it is more comfort oriented so if you want comfort and you're going to be spending majority of time on the road and you do just want the the four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive capability as a as a stability comfort kind of thing, I think the Kluger kind of wins out just in that space in that in that regard. Being petrol, so you know, coming from a petrol Kluger, you know, going to another petrol, it's a, it's a it's a simple thing. As soon as you start adding, I mean, the CX nine is also petrol, so you're also not having to confuse. You know, I saw a prime example the other day. Someone that had bought, uh, a, yeah, had a petrol car and then yeah. bought a diesel. Their first diesel and one of the first Phillips they did. You know, they poured petrol into a diesel car luckily they didn't start it but you know just to avoid that confusion yeah um you know i think you know yeah. you, I, you'd either try and find uh, if you if diesel if you're happy to go consider diesel i would seriously be looking at probably the everest um mm. but if diesel you know is a little bit uh, unsure, uh, I would be looking at either trying to find a good deal on a, on a current Kluger before the new ones land. If you can afford to wait, I'd be waiting for the new Kluger to, to arrive early next year. Um, but I would certainly definitely go and drive a, drive a CX-9. Um, having driven one of those when my car was being serviced for a day, I absolutely loved it and was a really nice place mm. to spend the day. Um, I wouldn't really probably pick the white leather option. I think that they have in a, a couple of them. I'd probably go the, <laughs> the darker colour. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, there, there's a couple of good options there. So, um, hopefully. Yeah. And I, and if I do remember the Kluger will probably be, probably be being a Toyota, be friendliest when it comes to servicing. Um, I haven't, you know, particularly in, in my time, I haven't had anybody complaining to me about even servicing their Kluger. There hasn't been really too many, um, sort of, yeah, no real issues come through. I think um, every time I've driven a Kluger, I would definitely opt for the all-wheel drive version, not the two-wheel drive, because it's sort of it, it it struggles with that same where the it's the same V6 engine, but there's just too much power going through the four, you know, the two wheels at the front, and so you're just going to be spinning your wheels most of the time, particularly if there's a little bit of moisture on the road. Um, the all-wheel drive is definitely the the pick out of that, and um, it is it is a, an American SUV, so you do get a lot of the. I guess the the comfort and the consideration that goes into the American market brought over here, and I think um, for a car like that, that is definitely a plus. Um, you go for to to bigger uh, cup holders, to bigger storage cubbies. You just there's just step places to put stuff everywhere, which I think if you've got a big family like that, that is really helpful. And um, yeah, I think it is a within that price range as well it is it is a pretty good option uh to consider it's just um definitely worth going to have a look at the cx9 the everest even the prado have a look have a drive of the prado see if everybody fits into it i know it will be a little bit smaller than the kluger and um and have a drive of the patrol if you think that that budget could work for you but that would be definitely on the list i wouldn't 
um, for the size, just purely based on size, I wouldn't look at the um, the the Skoda, the Volvos, um, the the Volkswagen um, Tiguans, or the, even they're just going to be that that little bit too small, particularly if you want space for everybody and a little bit of luggage or baggage as well. I mean, for so, that kind of budget of around 65, you are in Kodiak RS territory, which is, you know, a fun SUV. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just I just know that it, compared to what we're looking at, it's just that probably a little bit too small. Yeah, you're going to be running into issues where um, the, the, the third row is definitely a major trade-off of um, rear uh, storage as well as legroom <laughs> for the person who cops it at the back. Um, overall, they're great cars. It's just that they're not physically big enough to, to I think, um, sort of fit four kids comfortably plus all the other stuff that four kids bring along, um, whether they're going to school, sport, or, um, or whatever. But, uh, but hopefully that helps. Uh, let us know. Yeah, if, I'll uh, um, get back to them and tell them to have a bit of a listen and, yeah, uh, yeah and uh, we'll hear what they uh, end up deciding to go for. Mm, excellent. Well, let's jump into some motorsport news now. Uh, we have the IFL GP or the, as, as um, the, the memes from teams online uh, have been desperately trying to hard to say, to not say the German Grand Prix. Uh, obviously uh, the Eiffel GP, if you, if you are following Formula One, you'll know that it is on at the Nürburgring. Uh, this is the first time since 2013, which we've had a Formula One race here. And, um, what was uh, so for free practice one and two were cancelled because of fog and the medical chopper not being able to to take off and land in those weather conditions uh then former uh then then free practice three was able to go ahead because it had a it, it was dry again um but b they had put in backup plans for or, or alternative um uh, medical evacuation uh procedures in place to allow that 20 minute from track to to hospital time to still be met so they've put in some some alternate uh, options in there so that um so they so now, even... yeah they now drive for a couple of minutes and then the helicopter meets them at a location not far from the track yeah. to, to shoot to allow that 20 minute uh window to be able to get there it was quite interesting they were talking about it um during that, I stayed to watch the FP2, uh, just the commentary that the guys yeah. were having and talking about that sort of stuff. It was quite interesting just hearing how they were going to talk about it. They actually interviewed Michael Massey um, and, you know, he didn't want to really comment to say exactly what they were going to do. But, um, yeah, it was interesting actually, you know, just them to have to grab and have a chat to him and say that they were trying mm-hmm. to find an alternative so that yeah. it wouldn't happen. Though in saying that now, the weather forecast is um, looking pretty good for uh, for the race, race tonight. So, <laughs> Which I think uh, every, everybody was concerned was going to happen because as soon as uh, we see a rain forecast and everybody gets excited, we know that immediately jinxes it and means we're going to have a perfectly fine race. So um, take that as it is. Um, but interestingly, when I was tuning in for f- for the, the third practice session, uh, Stroll had said that he wasn't feeling too great and then uh, that he wouldn't be participating in the rest of the race weekend. Now, they haven't confirmed anything that... Um, anything more so far um he isn't they're saying he's not demonstrating usual covid symptoms so we don't know what is going on just at the moment but 
in another wonderful twist of um, of circumstances, Hulkenberg is back in Racing Point, uh, replacing Stroll this time, not Sergio Perez, as um, as it was last time he was uh, <laughs> he was back. But he was um, having a coffee with a friend at a cafe in Cologne, which isn't too far away from the Nürburgring, um, at about 11 o'clock in the morning. And he got a phone call saying, uh, from from Racing Point saying, we need you. And um, how fast can you get down here? Now, he took his uh, Porsche GT2 RS, which he bought off uh, Nico Rosberg's father and um, had done some wonderful modifications too and obviously flew it very quickly down the uh, de-restricted parts of the, uh, the Autobahn. Ended up, arrived just in time to jump into uh, qualifying without any any prior laps. He did about four laps in Q3. Unfortunately, he was the slowest, but I don't think um, your expectations could be too high. Um, don't you think, Joel, for someone just jumping into the car? Yeah, he it was, you know, he was literally in, you know, they, I think he, he was due in the paddock on Saturday anyway to do some commentary stuff, I think. Um, actually, on Sunday, I think he was due. So he had a pass that had him there to do some stuff for Formula 1 TV, but for, I think, a German network. Um, and, yeah, he, you could see him. He was literally in. Apparently, he'd already had a COVID test, but yeah, to uh, so that he could just come straight in, into the paddock. Uh, but you saw him sitting in the car. They, they actually had his seat in the truck um, on standby. So they were lucky. I mean, the benefit of these now being rounds that the, the teams can drive to means they can carry more stuff with them. But because he is their nominated reserve driver or test driver, I think. I think um, Van Dorn is still actually the, the nominated driver, but I can't remember why Van Dorn was I think impossible. he's nominated. One's nominated as test and one's nominated as reserve. Ah, okay. I think that's the difference. So, um, But, yeah, he was in and what a baptism of fire being thrown into qualifying. Um that's right. Yeah, I was hoping that he might get into Q2. Uh, that's what we're all hoping and praying for, but it just didn't quite happen. But he starts from the rear of the grid tonight. Um, but I'm intrigued to see. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how on pace Racing Point is this weekend. They don't. Yeah, Perez got knocked out in Q, Q1 as well. Um, so that's a. Uh... But what what Hulkenberg did say, what he thought, what I thought was quite interesting, because the. The bonus that you get from having someone like Hulkenberg in, and there's obviously a lot of interest around, well, how is he adapting to the car? He did, you know, he does give a little bit more insights into, you know, how the car is operating, how far it's developed. Because what interesting thing that he did say is that, well, he did those two weekends, or, you know, I would say like one and a half weekends because he didn't get to race. But, um, the car has changed the development quite a lot of development has gone to that car so a lot of a lot of the things that he'd gotten used to from that first sort of full weekend that he did um was quite different to the vehicle that he was jumping into and driving so even for him the four laps and it was yeah obviously you know it would have been great if he could get into q2 to even just to get extra seat time um but yeah even those four laps were just handy for him to start to rapidly understand you know how this particular car is working and obviously you know how how it's set up for um for the nurburgring compared to Anywhere a lot also. of teams seem to be testing a lot of new products and new yes. parts. You know, the Red Bulls were running the 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 fluoro paint testing front aero setups and stuff like that all in um, 
uh, in qualify, uh, sorry, in FP3. Um, so yeah, there was lot, lots going on, lots of new parts. So yeah. Mercedes had brought two different wings. I think uh, Ferrari have had a host of upgrades. <laughs> Yeah, so it's um, and I think uh, Mercedes are now on their third and final power unit for that. So they so they put She's in some in... reference to that, but I didn't hear who it was. So yeah, so so both cars, Lewis and and Bottas, both have um new power units this weekend and it is their third one it doesn't mean that obviously let's say the next race there's something not quite right with this engine they can go back to the first or second engine um but i think mercedes have been quite um strategic of when they want to introduce these engines because we do know that at different times they do mix and match power units depending on what you know each each engine is that in terms of its life and, and what those little tweaks of engines. But apparently there's nothing new with these power units that they've got in. They're just exactly the same as the, the previous ones that were in. So there's no upgrades for them. Part of me goes, well, <laughs> why would you? Um, you've, you're pretty dominant already. You had Red Bull sort of poking their head in there. Uh, Renault have, have brought a lot of pace this weekend as well. But again, Mercedes are still extremely dominant, so you'd think that a few of these things that they've these upgrades that they've probably been working on, they've they've sandbagged it a little bit for um, a future update or or even for next season to keep a little bit in the bag or for when they need it because they do have their tokens, they do, you know, they they could very well cop a penalty and and make an engine change if they really want to. So yeah, it's uh, it's it will be interesting. I hope it's a I hope it's a drama filled drama filled race because we do have a it was a very competitive quality um, compared to a few other. Yeah, hopefully it's a good races. race. The Renaults were quick too, so mm. maybe um, if it's not Danny, it might be um, uh, Esteban that that gets onto the podium mm. maybe. So or a, or Charles Leclerc, he did he I think he qualified fourth. Uh, if I remember correctly, I can't remember. I was very, I was yeah. very tired playing that. that yeah, noise. it was late in the day, but um, it's uh, the for, for Ferrari to turn it on, especially for Charles, and they did say that both his and Seb's car is exactly the same. Um, so interesting that both of them are you know running the same spec. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch with a, with a couple of teams really sort of turning it on, and um, it should be uh, should be a great race. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to a couple of other bits of motoring, well, motorsport news. Uh, so Bathurst, we said we've got coming up. Um, so they've got some socially distant seats going on for for spectators. Yeah, so they've limited the numbers this year, which has upset a lot of people because football stadiums and stuff in Sydney can have good numbers, but they're just limiting Bathurst to 4,000 spectators a day, um, and they're only allowing them. There's no camping on site. It's only, you know, day passes. Um, so you, you're limited on where you can sit. So it'll be either at um, either at Hell Corner uh, on the main, main straight um, or... Um, yeah, yeah, Murray's corner, Hell's Hell, Hell's corner, or the main straight. But there's some been some photos that have come out during the week showing of all the the seats that have been set up socially distanced on the main straight. So mm. um, they have really limited the number of people coming in. So it's gonna. It reminds me a little bit of um, just four thousand spectators of the early. Uh 
iterations of the Bathurst 12-hour when I think that was sort of around the number of spectators are having. And yes, you, you don't get the, um, the, the crowd same level of excitement as you do, you know, with a, a typical Bathurst crowd. But it does mean that get a little bit of room just to to relax i think that's sometimes which i i don't uh, i've i've gone to the gold coast um 500 a few times and it it can get very crowded and particularly at a at a track like bathurst it will be nice to just have that little bit extra room for you to to spread out it might not be as as thrilling as compared to when you have a whole ton of passionate fans but um yeah, I think you, you got to look at the upside <laughs> for this when it's uh it's not the ideal setting. I think. Yeah, it's you know, look they're trying to do the right thing, um, yeah. you know, in terms of the number of people, but it's going to be really weird not to see fans across the top of the mountain and hear Absolutely. that hear that yeah. cheer, particularly on you know on the on the shootout on on Saturday. So, um, but I'm looking forward to watching the race. It's you know there's there's a, still a fair bit on the line. Um, Scotty McLaughlin is champion elect, unless he has a serious problem or you know has a points problem or something like that, then you know he will take the championship out when he finishes. You know, there's obviously the win of that. There's still a team championship to take out um so yeah it's going to be uh, an exciting race to watch um next weekend so i can't i can't wait yeah it should be a fantastic race it's been a bright season um with everything considered so yeah that's the um... number of rounds we got in and and what they've been able to do is uh, is quite interesting but it won't be the the best weekend for um uh little old Nathan, um, who was hoping to drive with uh, Nathan Hearn, was hoping to drive with the guys from Gary Rogers. Uh, unfortunately, the appeal that GRM were going to try and allow his super license to be approved hasn't happened. Yeah. So, Jaden, I'm going to butcher this, Jaden Ojeda, I would say his name is, uh, will take the place of Hearn to run um, in the wild card that Gary Rogers are running. It's great to see GRM back on the mountain um, mm-hmm. running a Commodore again. Um, they obviously pulled out earlier this year um, or the end of last year. So, yeah, it's a shame not to see them running. But um, So, yeah, but uh, they'll be running a, a wild card. So that should be a good thing to watch. So he's going to be joining Tyler Everingham, who's a really good young kid, very, very talented. Uh, so he should be uh, – that, that wild card should be interesting to watch to see how they qualify and then, you know, hopefully stay fairly consistent and, and run well. Um at the uh, at the event mm. yeah it's uh, the wild cards are always great to have because if anything um it gives young drivers great ed- great opportunity um as most teams sort of like to opt for those but also it is a, a literal wild card wild card because they do tend to be a little bit more inexperienced and and that's a great you know i think sometimes it's a great thing to throw in within a race of having someone that can sort of upset things a little bit you know because as we've seen and with previous wildcard entries in the past when they're not the most experienced is that they're not always going to be in the, the, the perfect position or the best line or, or get out of everybody's way straight away and it's just enough to sometimes cause a little bit of drama and um, to make the other experienced drivers just work that little bit harder as well as you know doing a baptism of fire for these drivers going around the Bathurst track um, it's not an easy track to drive and um, you know so I think it's great I think it's a fantastic thing it'd be great to see this a little bit more in other racing series as well um particularly at a you know this is the headline event um for it so yeah i think uh that that'd be great it'd be interesting to 
it'll be great to watch and uh, to to keep an eye on throughout the the weekend. Yeah, and the other un- unfortunate news is there was going to be another Bathurst race towards the end of the year, but that's now been postponed until next year, which was the Bathurst International, which was going yeah. to be a really good event because it's going to it was going to feature TCR. Um, uh, Muscle Car Masters, uh, S5000, uh, the Trans Am Series. Um, but that's all, unfortunately, had to be postponed due to COVID and international restrictions. Yeah. I think they're hoping to get a few international drivers in to drive a couple of the cars, um, but that hasn't happened. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a tough call. The guys are really hoping to get it across the line to, in November, um, but it's not going to – it's been pushed back. So I think good on them for, for taking the step. You know, it's still a month out um, to say, look, no, it's not going to happen as opposed to leaving it to the last minute. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it'll be one to watch uh, next year um because we probably the talk is we probably won't get the 12 hour next year it'll probably be some form of sprint race for probably the supercars mm-hmm. uh, again due to international restrictions um but hopefully in 12 months time things may be a little bit better off and we'll be able to run the international um because it's a cracking series to see the all these cars that are running uh around around the bathurst let alone seeing them on on track in australia mm. so yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's great, particularly S five thousand. I've been loving following that um, as it's been going on. Yeah, but uh, but what's this with the? Is it the Rebel Rally? Rebel Rally. Rebel so Rally. it's is kicking off at the moment. Um, it's a quite a unique uh, event. Um, it's the first women's off road navigation rally raid. Um, rally of its type in, in the US. It's been run for the last couple of years. Um, it's over 2,000 Ks. It runs from Lake Tahoe down to the border of Mexico. Um, it's purely a navigational rally. So you, you basically have a map and a compass. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. This year there's a, a fascinating lineup of not only, you know, um, teams and drivers um there's some very very talented female drivers in in this event um one of my favorites that i'm following is the team of uh, team killer what um which is the team of emmy hall and rebecca donahue donahue um mm-hmm. they're running a rivian they're running an r1t oh, okay. so um yeah so and it's not the same car that was running long way up i heard them quoted in the media recently this is theirs was one of the first ones that was uh that was built that wasn't uh, a sort of a pre-production mm-hmm. um so they're running that so yeah it's an interesting rally but there's lots of other manufacturer involvement this year so um Infinity are running a QX80, um, which they've built to run for two auto journalists, Nicole Wakeland and Alice Chase. Um, so they've taken this Tahoe, uh, this, sorry, this Infinity looks um, just awesome. I didn't get a chance to drop it in at the show notes, but I'm just throwing it in the chat, Ash, so you can follow along and have a look at this beast. Um, it's, you know, the QX80, for those that aren't fully aware, is basically the Nissan Patrol, but in Infinity guys. And Infinity is effectively the Lexus of the Toyota world in Nissan. Um, and this thing's had some uh, some serious mods done to it and looks absolutely brilliant. So, um, yeah, so that that's sort of Infinity's involvement from that part of it. Um, Mitsubishi are supporting a female military veterans team with an Outlander FEV. 
um, and running it with um, Sergeant Major Sergeant Major um, Rochelle Rudinal, um, 32-year USA combat veteran, um, with Master Sergeant Christy Levy, a 25-year US Army combat veteran. So that's pretty cool to see, you know, Mitsubishi getting involved in in doing. Um, running a, a FEV um, in they're the only other electric car along with the mm-hmm. Rivian. Um, the event goes for 10 days. So um, they were trying to, from what I led to believe, to be running some kind of hydrogen truck that was going to then um, turn it the power into um, batteries. So there was no generator needed to, to charge oh, okay. these vehicles. Yeah. So the FEV and the um, Rivian will charge off this apparent setup. I haven't been able to cool. find a bit more about it, but that was something I read during the week. Um, and then Kia have taken one of their Tellurides um, into the bone stock crossover class um, with ESP, ESPN correspondent uh, Alyssa Ronek and actor Sabrina Howe. Um, so they're running a, a Celt... Um, I love so they're, they're running. They're right. running a, a sorry, a Telluride SX, but they're having a Seltos SX as their support vehicle. That's <laughs> good to see Kia involved as well. So yeah, yeah. this is a, an event that I've kind of followed in the background the last few years, but um, it's had a little bit more of a a, a larger presence this year, particularly mm. with the number of manufacturers that are, are getting involved. I think what really pricked my ears is when I heard that there was going to be um, a Rivian running, but then yeah. just reading the releases that have come through during the week. Um, you know, there was more interesting to see more brands being involved um, and, you know, trying to, to do more of this event. So, yeah, you can follow it all at um, rebelrally.com. They've got live tracking and, and daily updates and stuff like that, um, rundowns on all the teams and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, pretty cool sort of different kind of motorsport that's being run in the in the area in from Calif- through California and yeah. uh, down to the border near Mexico. No, that's cool. It's a that's a great event. Love to do more rallies. Uh, myself, it'd be I think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, the navigational rally kind of makes it easy because there's no way to really train for it. You just have to no. know how to read a map and a compass and yeah. and get thrown in at the deep end. That's right. Uh, it's kind of like orienteering, um, but just with the car and over a longer distance. <laughs> Uh, but look, let's uh, jump into some local news. So one, uh, this is one that we experienced. So we've uploaded a new video review to our YouTube channel. It's of the Nissan Duke STL. Uh, so you can search for it on YouTube. Just look for Daily Auto Fix or 2021 Nissan Duke STL review, and uh, you'll be able to find it. But um, we had we did have a couple of interesting things going on with the car. So we had uh, a couple of experiences where the forward collision alert or the autonomous emergency braking just randomly come on so the times that i experienced it would be when traveling under a an overpass or a, a um an overhead sign uh that spanned across the entire road it somehow thought that that was a car and just would slam on the brakes and bring the and try to bring the car to a stop i did have one going from the rooftop of a shopping center down to the next level there was a height bar and it misread that as well and it must have been for some reason the just the wrong angle for the sensors to think of it being a vehicle or something like that um and also, we did have a couple of um, ex- weird experiences with the gearbox. It, to me, it felt like it was just being a bit laggy and and not very responsive, and it wasn't sure whether it would be a, a software issue or a 
or a, just an in- inadequate engine size or tuning or, or something. And um, after speaking to Nissan, and, and it seems like a few other journalists had some similar issues, it seems to be, from what I've been told after having some follow-up, that it was a handful of early or production or even pre-production cars that we had as part of that press fleet up here in Brisbane. And due to COVID, they weren't able to have the, you know, the, the later software updates that came through to the, to reflect what customers were getting on their delivered vehicles. And so because of COVID, the, the particular technician who does that sort of stuff for the press fleet wasn't available uh, to travel, obviously we had we've had fairly hard border closures, and so those vehicles missed out on those software updates. So I have been told that those updates will be applied as soon as they can, and once those updates are done, we'll be able to jump into those cars and and have another look at what that driving experience is, and and obviously seeing well for us, does it resolve those issues or what else is going on? So that um it shouldn't affect any customers at all from what we've been told from from this in australia directly it is just a couple of pre-production or very early so these vehicles were built in february uh the the announcement for the duke was actually done in may so to give just a general idea of how sort of early these ones were in particular and um so yeah so apparently they didn't have the the final version of the software and so that's why we had experienced those things and so yeah we'll we'll pay attention to the software update and give you an update on that all right so something that's probably a little bit more introduced in exciting uh compared to to the nissan juke is jeep have revealed details on the jeep trackhawk now this if you love American muscle but need a little bit more room for the family and a Mustang won't cut it, um, this is the vehicle for you. So the Trackhawk is the flagship performance model. So you've got the SRT and that's fast, that's loud, but this just goes to a whole nother level. So um Let's just say uh, 522 kilowatt, 816 yeah. newton meters of torque, just under three ton of towing capacity, and it comes with a 6.2 liter V8. Um, it now features 20 inch black lightweight forged alloy wheels with Pirelli P0 three season tires. So you know it's something that you can literally drive almost year, year round here in Australia. Um, and yeah, and it's also the leathers are available in. Um, Available both black, black, so and black, black and black and, and ski, gray. ski gray. So interesting yeah. for the leather having a, a slightly gray color leather. Yeah. I think that'd be quite nice. Um, yeah. Obviously features everything with you know Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, track all performance pages within the UConnect system, which is their uh, infotainment. Um, sells for a hundred and forty grand, yeah. but. But you're talking like forged alloy pistons, power to forge connecting rods, sodium-cooled exhaust valves. Yeah, like this is a serious performance thing. This is something which you'd have to be careful to not get um, to not get in trouble from the wife, the girlfriend, and the police. <laughs> it does a 0-60 in 
zero to one hundred in three point seven seconds. I have no doubt this thing will be loud. Oh, it's um, so sound amazing. There's a couple that uh, of the previous gen that live not far from me, and I've heard them a couple of times and seen a couple on the road, and they just sound unbelievably cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're saying that value for money. We're saying 140 grand for this performance SUV, but the four, the first five services are capped at 800 bucks. Yeah, which is pretty good value for money on this sort mm -hmm. of thing. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's pretty awesome. There's the only option really you've got is premium paint at 900, just under 900 bucks. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it, but I think it's it's excellent value for money because even if you look at the equivalent. Um, uh, the the X5M, the the Mercedes AMG vehicles, all of those things. Like you've just got um, a great sort of set of value because those vehicles are easily in the two hundred thousand dollars plus, um, and you're still over a hundred kilowatts more power than those. So yeah. There was some, you know, we've talked nice. about the, the Grand Wagoneer, which is the new bigger yeah. you know, multi-row in the US, but there's been some pictures appear during the week that someone has mocked up to make what the Jeep Grand Wagoneer track hawk could look like, you know, if yeah. Jeep go down that route, and you'd like to think they probably would. Um, and, yeah, that this thing looks sensational um, in this red, you know, uh, Photoshop creation or design that someone's done. Um, so, yeah, Jeep certainly know how to make, you know, fun powerful um we've seen it in the in the dodge we've seen it in the chryslers because it's all part of that same family um yeah <laughs> i i hope to see I, I have no doubt particularly up here in queensland we will see quite a few quite a lot of srts get around and so um yeah, I I hope we see a good number of these track hooks as well because that is just if you want fast that is great value at that $140,000 mark. Like that's cheaper than an M3 or an M4, um, cheaper than that touring is going to be. Um, yeah. There's nothing else I can say. I think that's going to be a great car. Exactly. So we go from a performance 
SUV to a performance hot hatch. And he yeah. teased us with some more photos of the uh, i20N. So we've obviously talked a lot about the i30N, but there's now an i20N coming. Um, I know that they've had a, uh, a pre uh, pre-test vehicle here in Oz that's been doing a few of the rounds. Um, but this design that released is very you know, more, a lot more modern than the, the current i30. Um, and it's following this design language like we've seen of the the new i30 sedan and, um, you know, the Santa Fe and a few other of their sort of models now with these new, mm. new look. And it looks fantastic. Um, yeah. And these are only, you know, we've, we've posted an image on our Instagram at Daily Auto Fix as long as well as the uh, audio teaser that they've uh, shown or that they've... I can't really say shown off because it's audio, but um, they've they've teased us anyway with what it sounds and that overrun everything. It sounds like um, it's funny. Hyundai N are developing their own sort of sound. Uh, well, is it is it sort of theme note language, um, and you can hear it and you go, oh, that that sounds mean. That sounds great, and. And yeah, so we, we don't have much more in terms of official details, but obviously, yeah, it, it has a lot of the the hallmark Hyundai N parts. So you've got N-branded brake calipers. There are bespoke 18-inch alloy wheels with a gray matte finish. Um, you've got, yeah, distinctive sporty parts. It does look very much the part of um, of being a performance model, and um, I can't I can't wait to see where this sits price wise because depending on how aggressive Hyundai go, they could have um, a similar sized vehicle but a much lower price point compared to even the GR Yaris, even if it doesn't match exactly on power and performance. It's, not gonna, it's going to be um, a little bit lower on power compared to the GR Yaris, but for the cheaper price, like yeah. you're talking GR Yaris is kind of around sort of I30N exactly. kind of price. Yeah. So this undercuts that, um, still has all the, the cool stuff. Um, you know, it's going to have, you're going to be able to buy it in that performance blue livery. Um, which is an exclusive on the on the N models, um, you know, like you said with the the, the N branded products as well. Uh, I haven't seen any confirmation whether it's got an N mode in it. I assume I assume it will uh, because this it, it should be just the standard affair with an N vehicle from Hyundai. Uh, it is inspired from the WRC, so maybe when Mick was saying, you know, there are a lot of WRC fans, maybe there is. Maybe there's a lot more than I thought. Um, I know that WRC is popular, but, um, yeah, it's one of those ones where it, it's funny. Where we're kind of having that re- resurgence of WRC-based special edition vehicles, and we know that the the, the GR Yaris is going to have a, a Rally E version as well, a special edition coming out later. Uh, this is a you know an i20 WRC inspired vehicle, and um, yeah, uh, uh, this is fantastic because we you know it is great to have um, you know these affordable performance models because not everything should be fifty, sixty, seventy, seven you know eighty thousand dollars. Well, it's getting, it's getting back to the, to the mid-90s sort of stuff when Subaru came out with the WRX and it was, you know, the every rally fanboy wanted to have a WRX because yeah. you know, Colin and Possum and, you know, a lot of those guys and Peter Solberg and Chris Atkinson were all driving them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's what inspired me to buy, buy my WRX, but now you've got 
Danny Sordo's just won the power stage in the current um, WRC event, um, and he drives a Hyundai. So this is a yeah. perfect market for Hyundai fans to be able to go and buy a car. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's not a WRC car, but you can support the brand that you follow. Exactly. Toyota have done it with the GA Yaris. Um, so uh, this is the great thing. It's one form of motorsport where you can go, and that's kind of the other thing that's cool about TCR is that the vehicles that are in that are vehicles that, again, are based on road cars that you can go and buy. Again, the i30N, um, the Integra Type R, uh, and you can go and buy these vehicles and you know buy the road versions of them. And so mm-hmm. trying to see that. So this is a great move for branding and, and being able to support it. And I, this when this was kind of announced during the week, there's a lot of people I know that, you know, were talking about looking at these. I know a couple of people that have bought i30s. Um, I'm super excited to see what the i30N um, fastback is like with the new um, yeah. the new auto system in it. But I'm intrigued. There's no mention on whether this is going to run a manual gearbox or an auto. This thing, again, with probably even an auto box, um, you know, would be very, very interesting to drive. So, yeah, I think this is exciting. It's an exciting time for hot hatch enthusiasts um, with all the stuff that's coming to market. Absolutely. Well, we'll uh, keep our eyes peeled for that. And Skoda, the superb, the Sportline is coming back. They've they've shown us some uh, some photos and some model details. So one is the Sportline 206 TSI uh, starts from sixty thousand three hundred and ninety in the sedan, um, and the wagon from sixty two hundred and nine. Obviously, the two hundred and six is two hundred six kilowatts of power from a two liter turbo four cylinder. Then you have the 200 TSI 4x4 with um, the, let's have a look. Uh, so that's in the Scout range. And so that's from 62 to 64,000-ish. And um, notable changes are the metallic paint. So that's $770 and $1,900 for a panoramic roof, um, as well as you can sort of mix and match alloy wheels and upholstery. Um but yeah, so the superb Scout itself, which they, you know, which we just mentioned, was originally intended to be a limited edition. Um, but basically, the the demand essentially sort of said that, hey, we want that to to continue, and um, they've, you know, they've introduced a bit more new equipment. It has adjusted the driveway pricing a little bit, um, but yeah, it does include wireless Apple CarPlay, matrix headlights, and a virtual cockpit. So it is fairly well-specced for its pricing, and um, it's quite a spacious car at that price. And there's a wagon. That's the main thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Always good to see that we're getting, you know, wagons. But like you said, you know, the options to add to it, there is a fair bit of... um, options that are you know that that have that they've added to it um you know like you said the virtual cockpit um uh, the the columbus infotainment system which is just brilliant in these cars um interesting that the skoda welcome logo is worth a hundred dollars which is interesting um but while there's apple mm. carplay you know that's even if that's a 300 dollars option that's still you know it's still reasonably cheap for what it is to to, to add it in um yeah, but yeah, it's it's good to see that that it, it is back, um, and that you know that the, it is you know the option that it um, that they you know there's sedan and the wagon. Um, 
you know, available for both. So I know that the the, the Skoda fan base is is one of those brands that you know there's there's a lot of people out there that love the the, the product. I'm in a Facebook group of owners, and they all rave about their vehicles. You know, they've had a lot of them have had them for many years, and or they might upgrade to the new one or whatever mm. else. But um, you know, the, the the interesting thing is is that you can buy the um, the service packs they're offering now as well. Um, you can buy a, a new car service pack for five years, which is seventeen hundred bucks. Um, you know, it's pretty good value for money yeah. for what they're offering. Yeah, so, it definitely yeah, is. Should be interesting to see these when they when they start hitting the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the and of course the five year unlimited kilometer warranty as well. Uh, with that one but they're not saying they don't give a, a, a timeline on those so I'm sure if you head in, in, into a dealer now they'll be able to give you details on that or at least uh, take in a copy of the, the press release and demand it <laughs> <laughs> when can I buy one we're going to put a deposit down that's right so next up uh, GMSV sent an email out to customers what did that uh, what did that entail so basically it was interesting it was kind of one of those things a lot of people have signed up obviously for the Corvette now that you know we know that yeah Holden dealers and stuff that probably won't be running it and, and that, you know, what was HSV will now be, you know, GMSV. Uh, but the email basically said that, um, you know, that there's been a lot of interest in Silverado and Corvette. Um, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of passion for it. Um, the Corvette, together with the Silverado, will be sold through a GMSV network that which they are working hard to set up for, for the fourth quarter launch this year across Australia and New Zealand, which we're effectively in now. Um, they understand that some customers had already paid deposits with Holden dealers. Unfortunately, deposits will not guarantee your purchase of a Corvette when they arrive towards the end of next year, and they recommend that all dealers refund those deposits um, while they're finalising the ordering, the ordering process. So... Mm. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they're saying, I mean, if you've already basically put in that you'd um, you'd want to be kept up to date, you would have received this email during the week saying this information um, and that, you know, there'll be more details to come soon. So, yeah, they're basically asking anyone that's had a deposit um, with a Holden dealer to to get it back um, because it's it, they're not going to be able to do it that way. It's going to be run, I'm guessing, direct through them and then fed to the dealers once they make a decision on who mm. will these the GMSV dealers will be when once that's announced. Yeah, well, that's uh, hopefully we start seeing something on the road soon because I am dying to see one of these in person and not just in a video from the states. <laughs> um, but one bringing back a little bit of history is BMW, so the 128Ti. Uh, what they're saying is tuned for driver engagement with specially tuned M Sport suspension and Torsen Limited slip diffs. Um, the Tur- Turismo Internationale, uh, just butchered that, but you get it. Uh, nomenclature signifies particular dynamic BMW models which first appeared in the 1963 BMW 1800Ti. Also, most famously, probably the 200Ti. Um, so this is sort of like your middle of the ground just before you jump up into the M135i. And um, it's sort of, yeah, meant to be that, that middle row of something. It is interesting that brought back that Ti because the last time we had one in a product 
in a production model here was when it was the the compact models of the three series before we had one two three four five six seven all the way up to eight um in terms of series models the the ti models were the compact models for for the three series at least here in australia so it's great to see the ti name come back and um and they are going with the the different the white one they've used in the press release with yeah. the accents that they're running mm-hmm. um you know it has a distinctive front apron um with sculpted air intakes and a rear apron from the m sport um it's going to have obviously the side skirt trim with the ti badge um and it's going to be available in Storm Bay Metallic, Mineral Grey Metallic, Sapphire Black Metallic, and Alpine White. I reckon the Alpine White's quite a good choice, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and you do pick up the the limited slip diff, which is something you do normally only get in in M models, such as the M135i. So, and I do believe that this is front wheel drive only. Yeah, saying that it is only. Yeah, so it is a little bit quite. It is quite different in driving them dynamic compared to the M135i. So I do think you might pick up a few people who don't want all-wheel drive, who still want a performance model. I think the market it might be a little bit bigger than we think for a vehicle like this. Um, just think it just depends if it's been eaten up by the GR Yaris and <laughs> all those other ones. But it's another um, ash, hot hash ash, ash to yes. add to the... Say that five times fast. Yeah, exactly. Another one to add to the lineup. You know, pricing and spec won't be announced until local introduction, which is early next year. But having driven um, the the current one series and particularly the M135i, which yeah. I absolutely loved. I think it's just an awesome little beast of a car. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it'd be... I'm very intrigued to see what this is like um, and see you know, with the, the specs and the mods that they've done to it, um, you know, with the, the changing of the suspension and the limited slip diff with this, you know, 180 kilowatt engine, it'll be interesting to see what it's like and what it handles. And a lot of people were upset when the one series went back to front wheel drive, um, when it had been rear wheel drive um, previously, but this thing looks so much better, I reckon, than the previous gen. And I know that there's a lot of people that don't agree with me that they prefer the, the previous gen design, but I really like this, this new design. So I'm really intrigued to see what this is like and where it'll sell and what price point it'll sit um in that hot hatch you mm. know um area um you know it's been almost uh it's actually 12 months there you go uh the one series was launched in australia last november so there you go um, feels like a much longer long yeah much longer ago yeah um, but yeah, so we'll keep an eye out for that. And uh, coming to the Melbourne Cup now, don't know how many people are going to be attending the Melbourne Cup. But, yeah, that's an uh, interesting one. But yeah, but Lexus have brought their electrified concept, the LF30. Um, they F rated it, so they paid a huge amount of money to bring that through. But this is their sort of glance into what a fully electric future could look like from Lexus. Now we haven't had too many fully electric models from the Toyota group of brands. Um, they've been very heavily invested in hybrid technologies so far. And so I think this is an interesting glance forward. And um, obviously there's not much... Say really 10 years in the future. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's um, it, this is one that you really have to look at photos of. We'll have a link to that uh, for you to, to share. We'll actually, I'll throw it up on our Instagram for, for you to check out. And um, yeah, I think uh, it would just be, it'd be great to see. They, do, they are saying 400 kilowatts, 700 newton meters of torque, zero 100 time, 3.8 seconds. Um, yeah, but it is. But it is a concept car, so you have to take that. I'm intrigued to see whether any of this design language in it, you know, even though it is a concept and it is designed for 10 years in the future, I'm intrigued to see whether any of this may move forward. It's still got a very much the, the Lexus L and around the grill and the lights and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but I'm intrigued to see, you know, whether this hints like Mazda with their um, early concept vehicles and the designs that they did back in when they did that, those series of concept vehicle series back many years ago that kind of led into what we look at now and you look at you know we talked about the cx9 earlier i reckon that is very similar to that so i'm intrigued to see what it will it'll you know where it'll end up but it's going to be on display at the world-renowned birdcage um if you're a, a horse racing fan and you know the victorian racing club the birdcage is the place to be seen um uh yeah it's basically gonna have um It'll be on. Dis- it's going to be on display there. They're also going to run an on creative online platform called the Lexus Lifestyle Hub as well. Um, so they've been very active in this space because of COVID and the restrictions that have been thrown on a lot of things. So yeah, it's in- intrigued to see what they'll be doing uh, in regards to that. But um, yeah, it'd be nice to see if it. You know, whilst here, whether it does happen to head off to anywhere else. Um, around the country mm. after the Melbourne Cup, you know whether it does it drops up to Sydney for an event or even up your way, Ash for for some. Yeah, hopefully but, it drops in even to a couple of dealers. That would be great. Yeah, go along and, and for a lot of fans that is it you know, that you know obviously may not be able to get down to Melbourne, but just to see this thing in person with those gold wing doors and, yeah. and that interior, um, I'd love to see this thing in person. So um, yeah, hopefully it might be possible. Yeah. Well, one last bit of local news. We are constrained on time because we don't want to miss the start of the Eiffel GP. Um, if you're listening to this, you the Eiffel GP would have been and gone. But for us, time is still not on our side. So, um the last one, I did get a little glance of this um, on Tuesday as they were being delivered, as I was picking up the Toyota CHR. But the new updated Mitsubishi Outlander FEV, now they have added a new GSR model with a upgraded suspension, nice new interior. And um, I think they've just done a couple of minor refinements ahead of what surely not too far away is a proper next generation Outlander. Normally once car makers start to throw in a special, a few special editions, we know that we're not too far away from an updated model. But this update is probably a nice general update of the look and feel. Um, the combined maximum power output of the hybrid mode is 157 kilowatts. Uh, combined maximum torque number, 332 newton meters. And um, the 
maximum power output of the front motor 60 kilowatts, rear motor 70 kilowatts. So, yeah, not too bad. You've got the uh, the Fev range, the Exceed that sits right at the top, the GSR that sits in the middle now, and then the ES. So you do have a number of different pricing points. Um, the GSR obviously adds the suspension as well as black painted front and rear bumper skid plates, door mirrors, roof rails, and roof. Black chrome plated radiator grille, front bumper, air ducts, and tailgate garnish. Um, so you can ditch the coriander and just have the chrome. Um, 18-inch black machined two-tone alloy wheels. They looked pretty good. And then LED headlamps with auto leveling. So they're nice little updates to have on a GSR model. Um, Pricing-wise, let me bring that up. It's right here. So your driveway pricing, obviously, it will change a little bit which state you're in. Um, but the ES entry level starts at 51990 The GSR is 56490 And the FEV Exceed is from 6990 So that price is becoming a lot more palatable for a plug-in hybrid. We do, you know, we've spoken about it in the past that we do want that little bit more hybrid feel out of the, the FEV, but I think this is, for the price, there's not much to complain about. The fuel economy still remains better than what you would get out of a regular model. And um, it's nice to be adding in just a little bit of a sporty note to it um, from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, let's jump on this last bit. So we do have a new ANCAP rating, the Skoda Kamiq, uh five-star ANCAP rating. I'm not sure really what uh, most people would have expected. Now, we do want to clarify from ANCAP just on what they mean by tested 2019 because when looking at these closer, there are a couple of different versions, tested 2020, tested 2019 on different vehicles. So we will clarify that. So when you are visiting the ancap.com.au website, exactly what that means, because they don't clarify it. What I assume it is, it's tested under 2019 ANCAP criteria versus 2020 criteria, because there are minor changes every every year. But the um, strongest point was the adult occupant protection for the Skoda. The weakest point was the safety assists. So that the safety assists are talking about the what standard safety equipment is in there. So it scored uh, 76% or 10 out of 13, which is still not terrible, but um, obviously there's there's room for improvement or room for options of areas to, to be brought up in an update area. But still, five-cast in-cap rating, which is still very, obviously the, the ratings which we want to be seeing. Yeah, it's pretty good numbers across the board, yeah. though, uh, yeah. in terms of what it's showing. Oh, of course. Looked at previously, but yeah. it's always that breakdown between adult um occupant protection and then obviously passenger or child um, occupant protection and yeah. it's pretty well. But it's the safety assist that um, is where it loses a bit more. It's at 76%. So, um, yeah, it's always interesting. So it's always good to, if you are looking at buying a new car or even a used car, check out the ANCAP ratings at ancap.com.au and, and just have a study because it's really quite interesting to tell you what, you know, it has and what... You know, what to look for when you're trying to buy a new car to keep you and your family safe. Yeah, that's right. It's um it's a it's a it's a thing that costs a lot of money. It's usually um 
not all car manufacturers submit their cars, so the ANCAPs, um, they do have to sometimes purchase the cars themselves, particularly models that um, are popular or are of particular interest. And um, so definitely use it use it as a guide um, to help. You know, it could be something that, you know, it is the deciding factor for you depending on what's important to you and the use of the vehicle. But look, we're going to jump straight into our international news now. So there's a new concept from Lexus. It's the J201. And um, as what they're saying, it's the most crafted for the most salient retreats. Now, this looks like it's based on their LX570. So um, it's the Lexus version of the Land Cruiser. So there's obviously a, a inherently um, you know, a DNA hard-coded into for off-roading but it, it looks like a really hardcore off-roading version of a lexus if anyone was really wanting to to choose a lexus over the over the land cruiser to to go off off-road but it's also another vehicle that's competing in their bell rally mm. so rachel croft and taylor paulie are behind the wheel of this thing that lexus uh, obviously has built but this thing looks brilliant it's got yeah. I love it. Two or three, two fuel cans on the back, a spare wheel on the back, um, a ladder up the back. The one thing I didn't mention is during this event, as well as using your map and your compass for the thing, you actually camp. Um, out wherever the you know, the the bivouac as they normally call it or the the rest stop is. Um, mm. So yeah, this is probably designed to take a tent up top um, for them to be able to sleep in. It's got the the cool drawer set up in the back with uh, what looks to be spare parts and towing stuff on the back. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a cool setup. Cool, cool setup. Um, yeah, and it's just absolutely brilliant um, to see. So um, yeah. It's it'll be interesting to see you know, at the end of at the end of um, the event you know which brand has kind of done well. The other thing I forgot to mention with the Rebel is that there are a couple of new Ford Bronco Sports running as well in another class mm. uh, as well. So I think it's in the stock class, um, like the uh, Kia Telluride was running. Um, but yeah, this is uh, it's it's interesting to see. Um, yeah. Uh, I love these kind of things when they're created. Lexus did one of these, I think, about six months ago, um, which was another mm. concept that they built. But, yeah, they look brilliant. And the fact that it's got, you know, the Lexus badge on the front instead of Toyota is just that little bit different and cool as well. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that is cool is also the 2022 uh, Subaru BRZ. So this is the... Uh, Toyota 86 cousin um, but this is the updated model so Toyota and Subaru are building an updated model new body uh, another Subaru Boxer Flat 4 engine uh, details that are currently leaking at the moment is slightly more power still it's naturally aspirated um, so you go from 217 horsepower up to where is it uh, sorry it is 217 horsepower from 205 yeah, so not sure if there will be a, another turbocharged version um, or if there will be one at all. I know that's been sort of one sort of holdout hope for a lot of people, but uh, the little leak that came out, you know, it doesn't look drastically different, but the, the front nose does look a little bit more refined. The tail lights again, but um, but yeah, um, this was a, a great car 
when it first launched. It, it got a little bit long in tooth, so I'm very much looking forward to, to the update, both from Subaru and uh, Toyota. But um, yeah, this should be a solid update. They just just it's good to see more power as well. But um, yeah, I just want to see if uh, for the price point, can they just squeeze in a little bit more just a little bit more if that extra little bit of horsepower does feel a bit more solid that's all i want yeah and intrigued to see they reckon production will start next year and it's premiering in the uh fall which is kind of now so i'm not yeah. sure when when that's <laughs> supposed to be so um but yeah, it, it, I'm intrigued to see what it looks like and whether or not it's another, you know, Toyota involvement as well. Yeah, that's yeah, right. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. So Mercedes-Benz are confirming that they're expanding the EQ electric range. So there'll be, uh, they unveiled or they confirmed at least six new models. So the first one is going to be uh, all electric S-Class. Uh, which will launch internationally next year. The um, So the EQS is the first to use a new electric architecture for electric vehicles, or what they call the luxury and executive segment. Um, the EQE, which is obviously the E-Class, um, is a, and the SUV variants, SUV variants, of course. Um, so yeah, they're, they're basically going all across as well as the EQA, which is the electric brother of the GLR, GLA, sorry, and um, we'll start later this year as followed by the EQB. So it's um, obviously this was very much where they were heading the, the EQ models at the beginning uh, was just a, a hint of what was to come and and now this is you know this is mercedes showing their full hand showing that you will be regardless of what size vehicle you want you will have an electric electric one to choose from yeah exactly and this kind of is interesting to see particularly them talking about their future plans it follows on with california deciding to go down the route of, of allowing only full electric cars to be sold you know in the next you know few years that Mercedes, you know, are going to be smart, that they're going to be having an electric version of every one of their sort of, you yeah. know, series of cars. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously Mercedes have, have started with this. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the other brands follow. We've seen Audi doing it, particularly with a lot of their models. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, there's, you know, there's a um, A3 now, which has been electric for a while. They've obviously got their SUVs. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, BMW, they're doing it particularly around their sort of their X series. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to see Mercedes confirming this, and uh, I'm intrigued to see what they're what they're like. I'm still keen to, to try one of the um, the EQSs as well. That 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 current thing, which has um, been had a lot of interest as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it is just part of this future that is electric and also um, hydrogen as well. Um, We will have also revealed on October 20, so October 21 for our for our time zone um, will be the official unveiling of the Hummer. Uh, which is a fully electric uh, pickup truck and SUV that's going to sit. So Hummer used to be its own brand. Now it's going to be sitting under the GMC badge, part of the professional grade brand. And um, yeah, so there's a few more hints now of the vehicle being produced to the side um, silhouette as well. And yeah, it's um, be, obviously it's going to be like, uh, it's going to be a ute version, then obviously a sort of an SUV. Yeah version um but i'm intri- really excited for this um oh, me too. 
they're going to be announced that you know it's going to be early early to market um along with a lot of other things you know still keen to see what happens with um you know they're calling their ability to move you know rivian had their their tank mode um you know hummer are going to have their crab walk yeah uh, it's very very interesting to see what's happening with this but yeah they're going to launch it during the world series and yeah. the voice of all things so yeah um the same thing similar to what bronco did they're going to have a short film uh that'll be streamed online and during commercial breaks between yeah. the, the world series and and the voice across two yeah. networks fox and nbc so mm-hmm. um we'll keep an eye out and bring you stuff as soon as we see things here in terms mm-hmm. of releases and when it'll happen and they are and it is seems to be they got they are going after some of the even the tesla cybertruck um things because they, they're going uh it will boast a thousand horsepower go from zero to 60 in about three seconds um it'll have the next generation of gm super cruise autonomy technology removable roof panels and you know like we said be able to crab walk so it it doesn't just seem like it's going to be a a bronco off-roading type vehicle that feels like they this i feel like they're going all out with this then they, they're just going the whole hog going let's just dump everything that we have into this make a real big impression that even though for us disappointingly that they are retracting out of right-hand drive markets that gm is very much still in the game focused and of course they're building cars for the american market but hopefully there's enough interest to even tease gmsv to consider bringing one of these yeah out. um yeah, even if you test enough market interest you think that you would like to see them do that yeah. but what i'm intrigued to see is where this technology flows back into of course the GM family so where yeah. it flows into particularly cadillac where else it flows into to yeah. gmc and also chevrolet and everything like that mm-hmm. so I think it'll be very interesting to watch um, and see what happens. But, yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait for it to, yeah. to, 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 to effectively launch. Yeah, so that would be the 20th. So not next weekend, but the weekend after. But it's just uh, it's good to see that we have some more info. And um, But we have one more piece of uh, information before we'll let you go. We'll go back to your commute or whatever you're doing, um, working on the car in the garage. And um, But that's Dario Franchitti joining Gordon Murray Automotive. Yeah, so Dario um, retired from IndyCar a few years ago after a very bad accident, left him susceptible to, to further damage. So he decided to to leave but uh, and walk away from motorsport. But he's still been involved. He's been a, a commentator and he's a three-time winner of the, the Indy 500. But he'll play a key role in the development of the all-new T50 supercar and the yeah. racing-focused T50. Ah, cool. Um, he'll also be a senior spokesman for the company and present an exclusive behind-the-scenes video series on the development journey of the t50 um so that's great to see dario being involved in that um and what he will and what he brings to not only the company but also you know his ability to to test the vehicle and um yeah he'll be a great ambassador for that product that's it. And they've been, you know, obviously the next challenge for them is delivering customer cars. So it's um, obviously a big important part of their next step. But um, but that's the end. That's all the news we've got to, to talk through. We'll uh, bring, uh, bring a trailer back uh, next week because there's a few we want to follow up on those next week when we have maybe a little bit more 
time. And um, But, yeah, if you have any questions, uh, like what we've been answering over the last couple of weeks, send us an email, shows at dailyautofix.com, or send a message to either Joel or myself. You can send us a message at, at Daily Autofix on social media or straight to Joel at Joel Strick Photo. Um, jump on our YouTube channel. We're having more video uploads going uh, each week. And, um, yeah, obviously visit us at dailyautofix.com. But thanks, Joel. Thanks for, for joining in. And uh, hopefully it's a, it's a good race for us to tune yeah. in and watch. I'm uh, excited to see what it's like. But um, you should jump on, bring a trailer actually this week and actually have a look at it. Maybe find yourself an honourable mention for this week because there are a couple of really good, um, exciting cars on there. So um, I picked a couple out. So have a look. Oh, and I will. <laughs> have a quick honourable mention from last week when we do the show next week. All right, sounds good. Well, until then, have a great week and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a good week all. Speak to you soon. 